0: You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. Rick Scott joins me right now, and we appreciate you being with me today, Rick. How are you?
1: It's always great to be with you. Didn't you win some big-time award just recently?
0: I did. I got the Talkers Magazine Woman of the Year in radio. I did. Thank Isn't you. that something? It is. I mean, Congratulations. even at my age, <laughs> it was great. It's nice to see your work recognized, and I appreciate it. And, you know, know. one of the questions they asked me, Rick, was... Um, uh, do you think we still need a Woman of the Year award? And I said, absolutely, because what you're seeing all over the place is people trying to usurp the accomplishments of women and make them less valuable.
1: Well, and on top of that, didn't we didn't we bust our butt to get women's sports, and now we want to let men play in women's sports? I mean, this is not the stupidest idea ever. Yes, I mean, women. I mean, you put. I mean, it's so unfair. To these women that have busted their butt to be great at something, and then, then a guy that has you know bigger muscles, right? Just because you know the guys are generally bigger, um, they 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 win a swimming meet or they win a track meet. How unfair! If, if this was happening when my daughters are growing up, I would have been I would have been furious. So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do everything I can to stop that. But let's. Let's recognize people for who they are. You know, women are different than men.
0: They are, and viva la difference, right? I, really like, yeah. it. I like it. I like well, it that way. We're all a little
1: different. That's
0: life. So before we talk about the debt, ce- before we talk about the debt ceiling, um, the NAACP has done this ridiculous thing where they're saying people shouldn't, go, black people shouldn't go to Florida. You know, you were the governor of Florida for eight years. You've now represented Florida as a senator. How ridiculous is that?
1: But wouldn't you think the NAACP wants to bring people together? I guess maybe maybe they weren't getting enough news because this is just fear mongering. It makes no sense. Um it's Florida like Georgia, we don't we don't tolerate hate and discrimination of any kind. And so this is wrong. And so I I can't imagine anybody's not gonna come to Florida because the NAACP tells him not to. Um, but it's wrong. They ought to bring people together. I just wish we had more organizations that said, "Hey, let's all get together. Let's fi- let's figure out how we bring people together. Let's start judging people by their character, how hard they want to work, not their skin color."
0: Well, I mean, obviously, if you've been to Florida lately, okay, and not lately, as 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 long as I've been traveling to Florida, what you see in Florida is great diversity and people getting along. Probably that preceded. Most of the diversity talk in the rest of the country in Florida.
1: We're a great melting pot. I mean, think about this. we got people from all over the world to come to our state. I mean, we're the capital of Latin America, as an example. Um, and so because people can go have success here. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we want for our country. We want people to say, you know what? Whoever you are, we want you to be successful and we want to give you an opportunity. Now, you're the one who has to go bust your butt. We're not giving it to you. You've got to go figure this out on your own. You've got to go take risks. I mean, I love business. I always loved I loved trying to build businesses because I got to go try something I believed in. I got to surround myself with people that had joint beliefs, and we, we were able to go build a whole bunch of different businesses that way. That's, and it, I didn't care what somebody's skin color was. What's your? come me your background? Have you, have you had success? How hard are you going to work? Are you going to show up every day? I mean, some basic things.
0: Well, and you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth either. I mean, you were a guy that had to work for everything you had.
1: So we're we're, we're putting some ads together for my next race, uh, which is next year. And so we're going back. You know, I lived in public housing, and we're trying to figure out um, if if that housing is still there. I know uh, we got on Google Earth, and I think I found a couple of my houses where uh, after I got out of public housing, uh, we lived. But look, I, I live the dream. I mean, I, I married somebody at 19 years old. We have two wonderful daughters, six, seven grandkids, six grandsons and a granddaughter. We live in a dream of this country, and so I want that. I want that same opportunity for everybody. Because guess what? If everybody has that shot of the dream, it's a hell of a country. So you've if been, just a few people have that shot, it's a bad country.
0: You've been married since you were 19. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. good for you! Congratulations. Think put up with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen I feel sorry for my work for life because, like when I told her I wanted to run for governor, she said, "That's great." I don't want. I'm scared of public speaking. And I said, "Oh, and you'll never know. I'll never ask you to give a public speech." I didn't. Other people did. <laughs> so she was, and you know, and and Martha, primaries are just brutal. And they're they're just character assassinations, and so hard because you want to focus on the issues, and so it's these these races are so hard on families.
0: They are. Believe me, I know. <laughs> it's like I went it. through one myself. I know. Um, listen, no, let's, no. let's talk a little bit about the debt ceiling. Um, it. I think we're going to come up with an agreement. I think something's going to happen. I think Speaker McCarthy has a couple of things in there that he's going to give up. So the Democrats will say that they got something from him. But he's been impressive in how he's negotiated this i didn't think he was going to cobble together with that small minority he had but the president is not leading and he needs to start leading because we're running out of time
1: he's not you know i th- I think first of all i think kevin's done a great job what i what i did was right after he won the speakership uh ron johnson mike lee and i and we started inviting uh, that Freedom clock is over to uh, have a meeting with us, uh, dinner with us every Wednesday night. And what happened is we said, you guys have to lead this. You guys have to put your ideas out there and be committed to vote for something. Nobody at the table, about 15 of us, had ever voted for a debt ceiling increase because we never, nothing. Since I've been up there, we just gave gave in. my um, college just caved two years ago. Uh, we got nothing out of it. And we think about it. We've got to do what you do. We say, hey, this is my income. This is what my expenses are going to be. Your federal government should be doing the same thing. So, one thing I'm really happy we got in there is that this idea that you know what—if you're able-bodied, right—and you don't have young children, get your butt to work. You're not, you don't go on all these government programs and not work. That's not how this country was built. So, that's in there. Um, I think Kevin's going to stand strong on that. But the he didn't what they put out in the house was logical. I mean, cut wasteful spending. Start the process to get to fiscal sanity. So Biden is sitting there, oh, we've got to raise taxes. We have more. We don't have a revenue problem. We've got a spending problem. Our revenues are are way up. We've got a spending problem. We've got to get the spending under control. So I'm hopeful that Biden will come to his senses and say, you know what? what? What Kevin put out there, maybe a little tweak here or there. Is something logical. Let's, go, let's get this done. Then let's work on getting the budget done.
0: So I, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> on time. Oh, yeah. Let's get a budget no, no, on no, time. No.
1: Let's do it. You know, Martha, there's no budget. You realize all we do is spending bills. We don't do budgets. I've been up there four years. We do spending bills. And by the way, you cannot. If you ask for the budget, there's no budget. It's a spending bill. You know, and so in the, I mean, it's crazy. You would never lead your life like this.
0: So former Senator isaacson who passed away last year had a bill a biennial budget bill and i know people every time i bring it up laugh because they don't even pass one budget how can we pass a two-year budget but it's not unlike what they do in texas where you pass a two-year budget and then you use the off year to do the oversight to get rid of all the pots of money out there that haven't been spent and to keep the budget efficient i think that's a great idea but i don't know that it can get any traction
1: well, right now, right now, if you think about it, the people, the, the people that have been up there for a long time, they've watched the budget of the debt go from $5 billion to $31 billion. So they really don't have you know, They're not the ones that are going to get us to fiscal sanity. So what we've got to do is we've got to change. We've got to, we've got to get people in leadership that are going to say, you know what, we can balance the budget. I walked into the governorship of Florida in January 2011. They had, Florida had not lived with this means in 20 years. They increased its debt by over a billion dollars a year every year for 20 years. So I said, no, we're gonna, this is where our revenues are going to be, our expenses are going to be less. And by, by saying that, we did it. That's what we've got to do. We've got to elect people that are saying, you know what, this is doable. Live within our means. We can live within our means. We don't have to just give in to everything. Like the omnibus bill that should never have been passed last December had 7,500 earmarks. We never. No one even knows what's in the bill because we, we had less than 48 hours to read a bill that was three times the size of the Bible. So this has got to stop. And I think Kevin McCarthy is absolutely committed to making that happen. I hope Joe Biden does because here's what's going on. We're on right now. Inflation is hurting all families. People are worried about their retirement. They're worried about their savings account. They're worried about medical bills. Why don't we stop and say, you know what? The public is worried about these things. We'll solve them. There's Democrat solutions, Republican solutions. But it's not by spending more money. It's by getting people back to work and watching how we spend money.
0: One final question. I know we only have a couple of more minutes with you. Um, do we have, um, are we moving enough on the border that we need to? I mean, I know the answer to the question, but what no. do we need to do? Martha,
1: there's, it's open. Yeah. I was just down there. I did an aero tour down Del Rio. It is completely open. The Border Patrol, are wonderful people who want to secure the border, are not allowed to do anything to prevent anybody, anybody from across the border. We have terrorists coming. We have criminals coming. We have Chinese spies coming. All the Border Patrol has a right to do is say, hey, would you like an ID? Let me give you an ID. Where would you like to go? Let me ship you. I'll, I'll pay your way to get there. So that's what co- that the border is completely open. By the way, and the Biden administration lost has lost 85,000 kids. They don't know where they are. And, you know, we've lost in the last three months, three uh, kids have died uh, that are in custody of the U.S. federal government. And they're, they're doing nothing, nothing, nothing to secure this border.
0: Well, we need to secure it. We need to crush the Mexican uh, drug cartels. We need to stop 21st century slavery, which it's child labor, human trafficking, oh, sex trafficking.
1: 70,000 people died of fentanyl. Doesn't, why doesn't Biden care? 70,000 people. All these children and women trafficked. Why doesn't he care? These people basically in, in, in slave labor now because of what they owe the cartel. Why doesn't Biden care about any of these things?
0: I mean, it's really like organized crime because the cartel charges them this amount that might as well be, you know, millions of dollars because there's no way that they can ever pay it back because of the way it's set up. You know, the cartel controls the numbers, so they never pay it back. And to me, while I, you know, I get what we're doing in Ukraine, I do. But at the same time, we are protecting their border, but we're not protecting our border.
1: Right. And just in this last omnibus bill, there was 400 million dollars for other countries to work on border security, but not ours. I mean, what is there's it's like the world is upside down right now. This doesn't make any sense. So the things that we should be doing to take care of our own citizens, the Biden administration is doing the opposite. I mean, we're not you know, he's he's it causes inflation. He's making people worried about their retirement. He, you know, he's doing nothing to help people with their medical bills. I mean, there's nothing he's doing that says, "You know what? Here's how I'm helping you." What he'll say is, "Here, I'm going to throw some money," but that's not helping you. You want a good job. You want, you you know, you you want you want to be independent. You want to have a good education system for your kids. Uh, you don't need critical race theory. So he, I mean, it's like he's just gone off a deep end. And the and the the, the Democrats don't care about the American public anymore.
0: If people want to help you, Rick, how can they do that?
1: Well, go to rickscott.com. You can volunteer. You can, you can donate. Um, but, we're, you know, we're going to have a – it's going to be a, a hard race. Uh, you know, Democrats are absolutely committed to beating me. I've got the hardest race of all the incumbents, uh, senators. So, but we're going to work hard, and we're going to raise our money. We're going to get our message out. I'm going to talk to people, and we're going to win.
0: Rick Scott, good luck to you. I know you will. It's where North Georgia
2: comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN.
0: Rich McCormick is the new 6th District Congressman. He is, most importantly, a veteran, an ER doctor, a husband and a father, and a pretty amazing guy. So we're so happy to have him here today to talk about his support for Ron DeSantis and maybe a little debt ceiling talk. Rich, welcome back.
2: And thank you. Congratulations on being the woman of the year. And, and I just want to mention, that, uh, as obviously uh, most people are not picking up on this, but I wanted to mention that Ron DeSantis is probably just waiting to announce until he got my endorsement. That's what this is all about. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. But you know what? There are some people, I think Chip Roy, some others in your caucus, um, and these are people that have been strong Trump supporters in the past. But you know what? This is where I've got people attacking me on the left and the right right now, Rich, and I think that means I'm probably doing my job, Okay. And and what I think is interesting is people take the primary system so personally. This is what primaries are for primaries. Primaries are for getting the people out in your party that want your vote and them earning your vote. That's what it's about.
2: Amen. Uh, you know, that's the most disappointing thing that I've experienced in politics with the primary system, because a lot of people think. It's If you can't beat them fair, then you just beat them. And, uh, and we beat each other to death. You vilify people that literally agree with probably 99% of your philosophy. Uh, if you were to compare it to a church system, it's like when one person thinks they understand the Bible better than everybody else, they split the church. Um, quite frankly, I just recently saw somebody post, something. oh, Rhino Rich uh, endorses Rhino Ron. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy, he's already endorsed by Massey and Chip Roy. I don't think anybody questions their conservative values. If you look at my voting record, I am in the top quintile of, uh, of conservative voting. I mean, I, I'm as staunchly look, conservative as anybody, just because I don't speak Pre-
0: President Trump did a great job as president, okay? I don't want somebody that can't be elected to more than one term, number one. Number two, I think there are a lot of challenges that we need to set aside not the policies, but some of the challenges. So tell me how you came to this decision and what people should expect from Ron DeSantis.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think it's multifactorial. First of all, I like what he did as governor. He stood up for conservative values across the board, everything from life, the Second Amendment, taxation, school choice. Uh, he grew the economy, he kept it open, he gave businesses the choice. Uh, uh, to control their own destiny uh, during a pandemic, uh, he he also became more popular uh, over the course of four years. He went from winning in a squeaker by less percentages than than Kemp won his first election to winning by almost twenty percent. That's huge growth. Meanwhile, attracting uh, millions of people to his state, expanding the budget by billions and tens of billions of dollars. Uh, I mean, his his governorship speaks for itself. Uh, I, I think. The fact is that, that we have a real consequence from whoever leads the top of the ticket down the ticket. In other words, how we're going to control the Senate. We're going to grow the party in the House controller. We're going to even possibly lose control of the House based on who's at the top of the ticket. I just want to win. Basic, basic things, I, I want to stick to our conservative uh, values, and I want to win.
0: Well, and I think that we've got a lot of opportunities out there. We have a very good slate of candidates, okay? And I think that we've got, you know, and a lot of young candidates, which I'm excited about. I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. And, you know, what I'm most disappointed about, you know, there's a lot of things that I think President Trump could have done better, and I know we're not going to hash that out now. But he has spent more money attacking Ron DeSantis than he did supporting his candidates in 2022 and that bothers me
2: <laughs> that that's something we noticed too i think over 15 million dollars attacking somebody who hasn't even uh, announced it and i understand why i mean this is politics and that's going to be his main competition quite frankly uh, Ron DeSantis is his closest competitor despite not having spent any money of substance so far and not announcing. And I think uh there's nowhere to go but up for him, so I get why he did it. But you're right. Uh we, we had a real Senate uh race, uh and we lost control of the Senate and, and we're in a deficit and we need to address that. We need to address the perception of the Republican Party going forward. Are we a young, vibrant, growing party or are we somebody who's reliant on just getting people out the vote rather than growing the party?
0: Now, let's talk about the debt ceiling since I got you. OK, I still believe we're going to come to some kind of agreement. I think that, uh, you know, this whole idea about using the 14th Amendment is ridiculous. And President Biden has participated in many administrations, not only the one he was vice president in, but a number of people he had to deal with as a senator and he knows that that's not a legitimate path to go um how are things going up there related to the debt ceiling talks
2: <laughs> well first of all it seems their hypocrisy knows no bounds you're absolutely correct they've talked about coming to the table and making negotiations uh multiple times uh the same people who are saying now they need a clean clean debt ceiling uh, are huge hypocrites uh the fact of the matter is if we don't address this it's not going to matter in, in a few years anyways because when we can't pay our debt uh, interest, uh, when our kids are saddled with unpayable debt and unpayable interest, uh, it's going to ruin our economy anyway. So whether we default now or default later, uh, they're not addressing the problem, which is a spending problem. They, they think they're going to tax their way out of this. This is a dishonest argument. If you took every billionaire's money, 100 percent of their money, you wouldn't dig your way out of this spending problem. Uh, the fact of the matter is we haven't been honest with ourselves as Republicans because even when we had the best economy this world's ever seen, we still had a trillion-dollar deficit because of the spending problem we have. We have not addressed it uh, for the first time ever uh, in the last 20 years anyways. We did something serious. We, With only a five-vote majority, were able to pass uh, something of substance, something that was truly conservative uh, that they couldn't do when they had a 28-vote 20, majority. People who have been here for 20 years, and most people don't realize – Seventy percent of the Republican uh, Party has been replaced in the last six years. So we are a young, fresh, vibrant, uh, talented group of people that just passed something that people who've been here for 20 years said, Rich, this is why I joined Congress is for what we're doing today. I've never been able to see this kind of conservative budget passed until now. Thank God you're here.
0: So um, obviously it is a negotiation. And my theory has always been they're going to eventually come to an agreement um, that that Speaker McCarthy is probably going to have to give the president a thing or two out of this package so that he can say he negotiated something. Is that what you're hearing among your caucus? And is that something you guys will be willing to vote on again?
2: I just spoke to the uh, the whip about this uh, two days ago. I was I was had my concerns that we, as a matter of fact, when we were first negotiating this, I said, this isn't good enough. And, and people like Chip Roy, I mean, nobody's going to uh, doubt his his credentials said, "Hey, Rich, this is the most conservative thing we've ever had." And I'm like, "But is this a starting point or is this where we're ending? Because I'm, I'm worried that we're going to we're we're debating with ourselves, and then once we get to them, we're going to have some watered down version that's not going to mean anything." And let me let me phrase it for me. I, I can only speak for myself. And in fact, I always tell my children, "You're only responsible for yourself." And we as a party did what we're supposed to do. Now we have a do nothing Senate. Literally has not submitted anything because they have no solution. They have no way out of this. Uh, they have no way to uh, address a deficit or a budget that has any reality. The con- uh, the president hasn't given anything that's serious of substance that's going to address a real problem of spending and deficit. Uh, so only our plan is the only one that actually makes sense. Now, when you get to what are we willing to negotiate on, that's a really dicey question because, for example, I have a probably a different opinion than a lot. I'm not I'm not really impressed by compromising a whole lot right now because I, I feel like if you kick down, if you negotiate and say, oh, we have this 10-year plan, everybody knows that next year, all right. that goes away. Right. You can only deal with the year. So I want what we can get this year. I want a work program where you have to actually, uh, you're not paid to stay home. So we don't have welfare encouraging people to not work, to, to basically subsist off the government for the rest of their lives. Um, that's a no-brainer. That one's non-negotiable for me. If that's not in there, I'm not voting for it. If we don't have some serious uh, get backs from this um this particular congress in other words grab back those 87,000 irs agents without an accounting degree who can tell our accountants that we're wrong um make sure that we grab back the unspent covid money that was shouldn't have been ever allotted to begin with make sure that this year's budget agreements are the ones with teeth in it well, because next by, year's the way, have
0: by the way while i know there needs to be work done in the irs no doubt about it they need to be modernized they did not ask their workers to come back to their offices. They started on May the 8th and are going to finish by June the 25th. Let's get the workers that actually work for the IRS back in the office doing the customer service, and then let's see what they need.
2: Especially after they've been weaponized against us, just like That's the right. ATF, just like the FTC, just like the FBI. I am sick to death. This is where anybody who, who's ever, ever witnessed a communist nation evolve. When the government can be weaponized against its people, you have lost everything the United States was founded on.
0: Absolutely. Rich McCormick, if people need to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
2: You can go to uh, dot house.gov. Dot house sorry, dot mccormick. Gov. House dot gov. That's our website. Uh, of course, our, our office is open for business. We're located in coming, and also up here in D.C. Uh, We're easy to get a hold of. We have the best constituent services in the nation, and we're just going to continue to crush it in that regard, too.
0: Representative Rich McCormick, thanks for being with me today.
2: Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Putting the talk in News Talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN.
0: It is the Martha Zoller Show. Shondell Summers here with me today, and um, we're talking with Matt Brown from the Washington Post about the debt ceiling as well as a couple of other things. And, Matt, what's, what's funny is that was Hakeem Jeffries, and he also was quoted in a Washington Post article yesterday saying at the end of the day they're willing to shoot the hostage um, and he's made a lot of terrorism and hostage analogies over the last few days. And he's not the first one to do it. He probably won't be the last. But he—he he, what bothers me about it is um, the media is, they're mad at the media, too. They had a big press conference yesterday meeting the Democrats in Congress saying, you media people aren't covering this right because we are trying to negotiate. But is there any evidence that up until... The Republicans actually passed a plan that anybody wanted to negotiate. And second, what's with all these House members that had a chance to vote on this bill or not, and now they're complaining about it?
3: Right, I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting time in the House at the moment. I think that um, it's pretty clear right now, and we reported at the Post, that House Democrats' strategy was basically that they didn't expect Republicans to be able to pass anything, and that um, a lot of this, they thought they would have leverage at this point, that now it's just McCarthy and Biden, um, you know, actually negotiating on what Republicans did pass. So a lot of House Democrats have been blindsided, and I think that um, they've expressed not just frustration with um, you know us in the fourth estate, but also over in the second estate with the, with the White House. They've been frustrated at basically feeling like they've been shut out of those types of talks. So I think a lot of this very heated language is basically coming down to the fact that um, House Democrats are scared that they're not going to get the priorities that they feel and that they're not going to have a say in what gets cut or what gets saved.
0: Now, a deal has not been announced yet, but there are are rumblings that they're close and um, that uh, the markets are responding positively and what they think is going to happen is that there'll be a freeze in spending for two years and a debt ceiling, which is actually a cut because if you freeze the spending, then, you know, you're not increasing the spending, which is what they plan to do, which the budgets plan to do. So mccarthy will have to give something up he will lose some republican votes but what will ultimately happen is a bipartisan vote that i think will pass i think there's somewhere they're talking about a hundred democrats will vote with the republicans to pass this deal of course they won't know until they take the vote but that's what i'm hearing what are you hearing
3: Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's actually that much difference. I mean, what what we've heard at the Post is basically that the deal under consideration at the moment would increase discretionary spending on military and veterans while decreasing or holding um, non-discretionary spending like social services and whatnot, basically at the levels that we have now and that it would be for two years. Um, They're about $70 billion apart at the moment, um, which is, you know, in the grand scheme of, you know, multi-trillion dollar federal budget, not that much, but um, those are probably some, you know, pretty big priorities for um, either cuts for for one of the parties or maybe something that Biden just desperately needs to run on so I think that's the debate that they're really coming down to here and obviously politics is playing a big part in something that is going to have a much bigger impact on the global economy than just So is the Washington
0: the Post standing by for a decision today because if they get it through today I kind of thought I thought they'd get it through earlier in the week but I thought it would be today because then they can start the 72hour clock because McCarthy said he was going to call everybody back if they got a deal. Um, to, so they or, and I'm sure there's some procedural way to do that so they don't actually have to be there to start the clock. But that way it gets passed in time for Wednesday and then we avert this.
3: Right. I am very thankfully not on the hill right now with several of my (laughs) colleagues who have been um, nonstop publishing, you know, updates for us and keeping us all in the loop on kind of, um, you know, here on the democracy team of it all. I've I've been um, really asking the question of, well, why do we have a debt ceiling and why are we doing and why are we negotiating it in this way in the first place? But, um, yeah, uh, uh, the folks who are understanding um, really just the real time of this have basically said, you know, even if negotiators do reach an agreement soon, you know, they'll need time to put it into action still. Um there is which is I think really just getting into the fact that we're down to the wire and really now it's just down to, you know, can they clinch it and can they um, you know Actually implement it once it, once it's once it's um, agreed to. They
0: will. I mean, you know what? This is one thing they're good at is putting things together at the last minute when we're about to go over. A <laughs> I mean, we've done that what forty four times in the last. It's like it's crazy. I just want to get us back on regular budget order and and hopefully they'll do this. But you know what they're doing? And this is me being cynical, Matt. Is that they're going to push everything off till after the election, the next election? And then promise us that they'll get back on regular budget order then. I am hoping that the Freedom Caucus and the problem solvers group in the House will um, push for actually passing a budget on time. Because the House is the one that has that control. The House is the one that can do that.
3: Yeah, no, I think that a lot of the rumbling at the beginning of these debates about, oh, well, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell will just come in and be the adults in the room, I think was kind of missing how the constitutional order is actually set up, which is that, um, you know, at the end of the day, the Houses are the the ones who propose all of this. And even if the president has, um, you know, ideas that get heavily incorporated into his party's platform, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's really what goes on um, from the different representatives that that basically um, puts together the budget. So I think that that's an important factor of our system and something that, um, you know, as you said, people, we've not been working on those rules for, for some time just because of the reality of the politics in the US at the moment.
0: So, Matt, what are you working on this week?
3: Yeah, definitely. I'm taking I'm taking a look. Like I said, it just kind of, you know, if this does not come together, we're we're taking another swing at um, what are the ways that we decide economic policy in this country. I mean, you know, in Georgia, um, you know, there's obviously always a very raucous debate over how the budget is put together. But that system looks a little bit different than how it does in, you know, Florida or South Carolina. So I think the question is, is there anything that maybe, for instance, Washington could learn from the very many states? And is there something that we could um, put together maybe about, how um, different states have figured out their own budget budgeting systems for what the U.S. could maybe do and what well, the debt limit um, itself looks like.
0: I'm going to make your life really easy, Matt, because <laughs> my old boss, David Perdue, got together with 17 senators, Democrats and Republicans, and they looked at countries, companies, and um, and state's best practices and they came up with a proposal that they introduced i believe it was 2016 it was right before the election it was because harry reid was still the leader they couldn't get any traction because harry reid pulled out all the democrat members right before they introduced it but in the working committee there were 17 and it was democrat and republican and i think i've got a copy of it i'll send it to you because it is and you can probably find it in the the congressional record because he introduced it It, it's uh and it took it came up with four principles that came from best practices of countries companies and states and he worked on it for the first two years that he was in the senate and but he couldn't get any traction on it because it was too reasonable
3: So, no, definitely. I'd be very interested in that. I what actually happened to it?
0: his reason when he decided to run against Kemp. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I actually sent it to Senator Ossoff when he first came into office because I said, I know that you're, obviously you ran against him as different parties, all of that. I said, but this is very well thought out and well researched. And we need to get back on regular budget order. So he's not going to do anything with it either. But I'm going to send it to you and maybe you can make something out of it. <laughs>
3: Definitely. Definitely.
0: Absolutely. All right. Thanks for being with us today, Matt. I appreciate it.
3: Of course. You guys have a wonderful one.
0: To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.